to share interesting stories related to life as a flutist and discovering inspiring content in form of a podcast. You can catch up with us on our Instagram at The Flute Space and you can listen to our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and YouTube. All these links can be found in our link tree in the description. If you want to support us, you can buy us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com slash thefluitspace. In our third episode, we had a talk with Ine van Uveren, who is a Belgian-based contemporary flutist. And an interdisciplinary artist focused in tech, um, specifically in virtual and extended reality. Well, basically expanding the way we perceive performances. And in our last episode, um, we talked to her about her personal life, uh, her development as an artist, being interested in many things, and uh, how did she develop as a flutist. But she's also teaching in the Conservatory of Liège, where you can study with her. And we were wondering how it works to study there. There's a possibility of doing a regular flute master and having a minor subject with her in contemporary flute, but you can also do a master fully focused in contemporary flute. Yeah, so we have quite um, some master degrees in Liège. Uh, there are all the specialties, but also there is a generic master. And with a generic master, um, it's just like the options are still open and then students can choose a minor or a major. So a lot of them choose contemporary music then already as a major um, and then they have one third of their program that is contemporary music but they still have you know all the time to develop all styles to get used to everything mm. and then you have some people coming from that or just people from from elsewhere that specifically choose the masters in contemporary flute and it's actually it's not um it's not a program where all your courses are around contemporary music because it's a master after master mm -hmm. um, but it's really really focused on contemporary flute solo music and chamber music so they then have um lessons um only with me so we're with three teachers four now in liege for piccolo for orchestra uh tone fred who is then our general uh, master <laughs> and i do the contemporary music but if they really specifically choose for a masters in contemporary it's only with me and then we look um together like what do you want to do i don't only want to develop the techniques with the students but also who are you what do you want to be after your studies are you interested in interdisciplinary work more in technology and do you want to make installations more towards performance art so all options are then open yes. and they need to develop their own project um, in Liège it's called the Projet Spécialisé um, and there I, I look with them again how do you want to present yourself after graduation and also a big part of it is like what is your online persona how do you reach people now well you have to stand out and and be interesting online already so how do you approach that and that's what we work around yeah so it's very specific um, also like very related to the professional life yes yeah um and, and close to that there is there is an international program flute expansions um from shana priantis mm -hmm. 
Um, she lives in Chicago um, and she combines um, more coaching methods with flute playing. So it's an international online course, a summer course. And you can also book one-on-one -on -one lessons with her. And she really looks at you as a flute player and like, what do you want to develop? And I had former students of mine after they graduated that they did the summer course mm -hmm. with Shana. For example, Alban, she created a one woman show, which I find, you know, very, very interesting and very ballsy of her to do. Um, Renata developed her um, PhD application um, afterwards and they find their way specifically with their own interests and I think that is interesting than just delivering another path of flutists that sure. are technically very very good but what are you gonna do with it? Yeah, and also I think like in contemporary music you see yourself more like an artist yeah. than, than a, just a flutist. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good way like to decide where you want to go and how you will do it. Yeah, exactly. It's very, it, times changed already when I was a student, but even more now. And I think it's important and also a responsibility of us who are lucky enough to teach at the conservatoire that we give enough options um, for young people to find their way afterwards. Um, so how would you introduce the contemporary music to a flute student? Um, someone that has some basic knowledge or knows of the music but has never experienced it? So every year at the beginning of the academic year I organize boot camps, contemporary technique boot camps. Um, it's obliged for all the flute students in Liège and it's to get to know the techniques and also to not get scared of the techniques. During Corona, I wrote um, a guide for students. It was based on research that I did um, during my, my doctorate. And it explains the most common contemporary techniques and how practicing those techniques is actually related to your classical, normal flute playing so that it doesn't harm your classic flute playing, but it actually helps your classical flute playing. Um, so we start with that. Um, and then I also check with the students like, okay, if this is your first time really jumping into the repertoire, you really never played contemporary music before, there are some easy ways in with um, some pieces. Um, some of those pieces for example, yeah, there is always voice by Takemitsu, but believe me, when you're teaching contemporary music for several years already, after a while, you get a little bit tired of teaching voice by Takemitsu. So I also try to give some other pieces. Um, there are the Shirino pieces that I, that I think are a great start because they focus on one, two, three techniques per piece, but repeatedly. So you will get adapted to one, two, three techniques in a performing way and not just like in a practicing way. There is also another piece that I give quite a lot. It's Come Perduto nel mare un bambino by Nadir Vasena. He is a Swiss composer and he studied with Charino, which is very clear in the notation, but it's a very short piece. Um, and it's full of notes. So people are in the beginning really scared when they see all those notes, all those fast notes. But it is to change the mentality that you get, that you need to get rid of the, the strict interpretation of looking at notes. You have to get free from that score. And when you think note per note, it will never work. It will never be fast enough. So this is an ideal exercise 
exercise you already come you know get away from that score and get really a free flexibility in, in speed in, and in velocity. Um, there is also First Born Unicorn um, by Giovanni Verrando, also focuses on a, on a few techniques. Um, piece I really liked is by Lei Liang, he's a Chinese composer, a professor at UC San Diego. Um, it's in Praise of Shadows, um, it's very melodic, um, it's very beautiful. So this is also an, an easy way in that contemporary music can also be beautiful. Um, and then there is Canto dell'Alba. I give th that that's a little bit more advanced, but it's um, a, a nice piece to, to really practice your multiphonics. Um, and also better than, you know, just doing multiphonics for an hour in front of the mirror. It's good to start with, with a piece like I, that. I think I remember that piece from this workshop that uh, you gave in my first bachelor yes. here. Yeah, I did the, that yeah. piece, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I give it to, 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 to students as well. Um, you know, when, when their ambassure is like really tight and really fixed, um, this multiphonics you really need to search in front of your embouchure and to and to create space inside your your um, mouth wall here mm -hmm. the, the the throat and the oral cavity um, and it's good because you need to play those multiphonics quite long and you need to keep them stable so actually it's an etude it's really an exercise but it's it's just way nicer when you already have a performance piece and uh, what about someone that already dabbles in contemporary music? What piece would you recommend them? Um, uh, well, there is a lot, of course. Um, unfortunately, my students are always the victim of Cassandra's dream song. <laughs> um, because it became really a competition piece. It did. It yeah. did. So it's also... I mean, I'm sorry to be the party pooper here, but it's really not that difficult. <laughs> it was years ago, but actually now it's not that difficult anymore. It's like Chardelino knows back in the day. Um, I know my teacher from, from the music school was still saying, oh, it was the most difficult piece I've ever played. And then I heard the same about Cassandra. Oh, it's the most difficult piece ever written. It's not. Um, so now it's a, yeah, it's a competition piece. So a lot of them have to do Cassandra. Um, I, I give Noah Noah by Kaya Sario quite a lot as well. Um, it's with live electronics um, and it really gives you an ownership of the piece. This is really a piece where you can develop your own persona. Same thing with No, I am not roaming aimlessly by Anahita Abasi. It's a piece we wrote together, um, I always think a few years ago, but it's already 2017, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is just a pause <laughs> from yes. 2020 onwards. Um, and that piece combines um, text, a poem, but in your own language. So there is an English poem um, translated um, from um, Persian. Um, but then there are also, uh, we call it stop words, and those stop words are in your own language. Um, so it's quite interesting to see with dialects or people really coming from a certain region, how you can really own that piece and have agency yeah. in that piece by using your own, um, your own words. Um, I know I was practicing and she came into my room and I curse quite a lot when I'm practicing and something is not going well. <laughs> At a certain point, I was testing something out. I was frustrated. I said, the Khani, which means it doesn't work. 
and that became part of the piece. So there is everywhere Dakani, um, which is then translated into several languages. Wow, that's <laughs> <laughs> I can recommend it. <laughs> How do you choose actually pieces and work um, works? from composers or to work with composers? How yeah, because like nowadays there are a lot of composers coming up. So yeah, there is a lot of information, a lot of pieces. Um, how do you, do you choose? Yeah, I was lucky enough to study in San Diego where a bunch of, um, of people like me started together. So we were thrown together in our first year, um, incoming musicians and, well, incoming performers and incoming composers. And we were put together for the first quarter and had to present a collaboration piece um, for a first jury piece in, in winter, so just after, after New Year. And then you start working together and you become close. And I was very lucky, we were a very close group of friends and I still work with those people. And so most of the, pieces or the collaborations are actually based on friendship relations because you know you talk about the same topics uh, you know each other there is a degree of integrity um, and derived from that those people bring other people and then you start a conversation again and that's how I got to know um, Jason Eckert and then from Jason I went to New York and there I met other people that were also interested in, in similar things and you know, one came out of the other. Um, as a contemporary performer, every week your mailbox is also full of composers like, hey, I wrote pieces for Fluid, here it is. I would be very happy if you would perform it. Um, so that I prefer less because there has to be a, a certain goal to perform pieces or to make a program. I, there has to be um, a narrative, there has to be a message that you want to communicate. And most of the time that is really more if you, you know, have this closer inner circle of friends and colleagues that you can trust on and really develop programs together. Mm. And also makes the pieces much more... Um, yeah, personal, personal also, yeah. 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 Um, most of the pieces that I still play are pieces or written for me or where I'm like only the second or third performer mm -hmm. and then you really get this relationship with the piece actually mm -hmm. and, and that is really nice with Vernia it's different of course but then there was no one crazy enough to do all the six pieces in one concert so I had that mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah th there is another piece which is quite old it's a piece by Robert Dick the, the flute player Robert Dick it's called Or unbelievably difficult multiphonics but I spent I think three months searching um, on really how to execute them because he, yeah he didn't want to tell how to do it and oh. yeah you had to buy the instruction video oh. I was like I'm not gonna do that um, so then I got stubborn I was like damn it I will find it and then I locked myself up for three months and then really really searching but it actually led to the fact that I adore that piece now um, and that it really, I know other people played it as well, but it became this like little gem that I still play a lot. So it's also 
developing a personal relationship mm. actually with those pieces. Like you did your own backstory with the pieces. Yeah, that I'm going I have for the feeling like shit. we went through things. <laughs> 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 we had a journey together. And did you ever contact Robert? Yeah, Jacob yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and he heard me playing the piece as well. So uh, amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. In New York. So yeah, yeah. Thanks. Well, you've also written a book, Tomorrow's Music in Practice Today. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what this book is about? Yeah, I wanted to make a handbook for students to make contemporary music less frightening, but also to dig into the repertoire in a correct way. And with correct way, I only mean not in a classical way. <laughs> um, during the... the during my doctorate, I focused on all the Fernie Howe pieces and no one could really help me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an amazing, amazing professor, flute professor there and supervisor. He, um, I still think that is really the reference recording for Superscriptio, the piccolo piece by Fernie Howe, but he didn't do all the pieces. And then Steve Schick was also teaching um, in San Diego. Um, he's a percussionist who created a bone alphabet and he also wrote a manual about it like how do you really tackle this music but that's not how you uh, tackle it with a flute so i had to yeah do a lot on my own and rediscover things and actually basically yeah i relearned how to play the flute in a different way Mm -hmm. and that was then my doctoral thesis per piece like hey if you want to start this piece because it's great music this might be helpful mm-hmm. but that's only for anyhow and then i came back um, to belgium and i started in antwerp as here at the conservatory as a researcher um, and then i saw some um, rehearsals from ensemble 21 um, they were playing pieces of the composers here of the conservatory and i noticed things and things that came back and that were for everyone the same so then, derived from the doctoral thesis, I wanted to make a guide, a handbook, a manual for students, um, how they could start with their scores. Like a very important part of it is preparing your score. And I also just had to learn that and adopted it myself during the Fernihau process. Um, but it really works with every piece, actually. It takes some time to color and to mark all the beats and to mark all the dynamics and things like that. But contemporary scores can be so complex. Uh, if you have to continue reading everything that is on a page, it takes a lot of time while practicing. Mm. And now I'm not reading a score anymore, but I'm looking at a score because it's so colorful. Mm. I just see colors. And then, you know, you, you really get that in your memory and it reduces your practice time by half. So my students also need to do that. And in the beginning, they're like, oh, why do I need to do that? I'm just sitting at a desk and I'm coloring scores, but it really helps actually. So everyone keeps continuing doing that. So that's why I put these and other tips and tricks into a book. If you're interested in Ina's book or have questions for her, then we will leave the link to her website in the description of the episode, where we will also put some links to the recordings of the pieces that she was mentioning in the episode. So go ahead and check it out. You will also find some recordings of Ine playing there. And thank you so much for listening to our episode today and stay tuned and see you soon.